Welcome to the Carbohydrate Chronicles, a podcast about glycoscience and glycoscientists. In this show, by a series of interviews, we'll explore the world of carbohydrate science and innovation from a personal point of view. Your host today is Tamas Shahid, a member of Carbohydrate Scientific Team. Glycoscience is the study of carbohydrates, so sugars, and their roles in biology. Today, we are focusing on lactins mainly. Lactins are carbohydrate binding proteins that are highly specific for certain sugar groups. Lactins have a role in recognition at the cellular and molecular level, and they play numerous roles in biological recognition phenomena involving cells, carbohydrates, and proteins. Lactins also mediate attachment and binding of bacteria and viruses, fungi to their intended targets. Our guest today is Anne Inverti, senior researcher at CNRS Grenoble, whose present research projects are centered on lactins from opportunistic bacteria that are involved in the first steps of infection. Structural characterization of these lactins and of their interaction with human glycoconjugates is opening the route for the design of glycocompounds with antibacterial actives. So today I have the great honor to welcome Anne Inverti, the godmother of lactins. Uh, welcome Anne and thank you for accepting the invitation. Uh, thank you, uh, Thomas, uh, for this nice introduction and uh, also uh, thank you uh, to Carbohyde for this uh, idea of podcast. It's rather unusual, but I think it's a nice opportunity for, uh, for promoting uh, glycoscience uh, in, in general. Yes, we also hope that it can bring this uh, niche and, and fairly new research field a bit closer to the public and make some publicity because, yeah, we, we also believe that it's very important to deal with this upcoming research area and a very complicated research area. Annie Bertie has decades of experience in glycobiology. She worked at different institutions of CNRS in Grenoble, in Nantes, in Paris, also at the University of Toronto. She is the author of over 300 papers, leads diverse fields of research in uh, glycoscience and actively participates in post-education and, and spreading the knowledge in this field. And you have done research all throughout France, uh, several big cities. Where are you originally from? Well, I'm originally from a small uh, city uh not too far from Grenoble in France, in, in the mountain. And uh, there is no university there, but my parents were teachers. In fact, they were sport teachers. But uh, my father was very motivated by all sciences. So uh, he brought us to the mountain and uh, we learned to observe plants and nature, but also archaeology or medieval history. So I think he... he taught my, my sister and me to scientific curiosity. This is uh, what was important and also love of nature. And then at, uh, at school and especially maybe at gymnasium, uh, I had some excellent teacher, mostly in, in biology. So I decided to go to uh, natural science. But uh, it's difficult to choose because I love nature and plant, but also geology and, and volcanoes. So first, I, I started to be a biology teacher, just teaching biology. And it's only when I visited laboratory that I discovered the research and decided, no, maybe a research is even more interesting than, than teaching. Yeah. I see. So, so your childhood memories in, in mountains and family hikings, is that the source of affection to wandering and the love for the mountains? 
Yeah, also the love form. Yes, for hiking, I always keep interest in hiking. Uh, yes, and uh, let's say the beauty of nature in general. Yeah. So if I understand correctly, you, you haven't planned to be a researcher from the very beginning. It just uh, you you had the this affection towards natural sciences, all kinds of natural sciences, and and then life guided you in this direction. Is is that how it was? Yeah, this is what happened with, because uh, in this uh, school to become a um, biology teacher, you have the opportunity for an extra year where you can work in, in a laboratory. I, I went to a laboratory working on in plant science, and that was at the moment lignification, I think, something to do with pyroxidases and lignin. And then I discovered plant cell wall and their beauty and complexity. Then I decided to do research. And uh, from that, I continue with a PhD on starch granule. And this led me more to uh, chemistry and, and physics because this was with X-ray diffraction. And then I was definitely in love with carbohydrate at this moment. So that was why plant from cell wall to, to starch uh, brought me to uh, carbohydrate, yeah. So, and was it love for the first time when you started working with carbohydrates? Did you enjoy them from the very beginning, all the complexity and the undiscovered marvels? Oh, yes, because uh, then uh, I went for, yeah, for a stay in Toronto, wanting to learn more about uh, human glycan, because at the moment it was on glycoprotein, and uh, I learned a little bit of NMR with uh, Jeremy Carver there. It was a lot of shimming time spent to the NMR, um, and then discovering yeah, the complexity then of human glycan, this was another uh, degree of, uh, of interest, because uh, the cell wall or, or the starch granules, the complexity was more in the architecture, and then coming to the human cell, it's more in, in the uh, chemistry and biology. So with all these aspects, it was definitely a passion for carbohydrate, yeah. How about the, the other natural sciences? Do you still have this fascination towards them, what you mentioned, the, the, the biology, the geology? So have you kept those interests uh, as a hobby? Yeah, I would say I love uh, bird watching or uh, yeah, uh, finding plants. And I think I always kept this interest in, in, in geology. We, we went to Iceland when the volcano exploded because I wanted to see a real volcano. We went to uh, Etna and, uh, and uh, other volcanoes in Mediterranean. So, yeah, in general, uh, natural uh, in, uh, science, I have a general interest, yes. If we look closer on your work with carbohydrates, what is the aspect? That, that caught you within glycoscience. So what, what is the part of this research that could bind you for 40 years? In well, I think you, you cannot be bored with carbohydrate because there is first the, the different scales. Uh, you, you can work at the atomic level, looking at hydrogen bonds, and then uh, you can change scale and, and work at uh, glycan and then in, in architecture, very complex architecture in cell wall. I mean, like um, bacterial cell walls, they can be so huge and complicated. So these different scales, they are, they are very interesting. And then it's also interestingly interdisciplinary. You really have to be have some knowledge and some interest in biology and chemistry, in physics also. I have been educated in biology, so learning chemistry was not that easy. And also 
because it's interdisciplinary, you have to work in a collaborative way, way with colleagues. And this is very important for me, having collaborators and working together. And uh, this brings also friendship and interaction. So this is why carbohydrates are, are, are nice also. And you can spend a whole life uh, in carbohydrates. Yeah. Yes, I completely agree uh, about this part. So for someone who is uh, so fascinated in, in different aspects of, of natural sciences, that's that's indeed a very, very good pick because uh, interdisciplinary nature, uh, especially if you're thinking about pharmaceutical applications, yeah, you, you need to focus on very different angles when you when you look at a problem. Currently, you focus more or less on, on lectins, uh, but, but you have a very comprehensive overview of, of glycobiology or glycoscience. Which are the areas of glycoscience that you were most fond of during your career? Well, I think the, the role of uh, lectins in infection, that was really uh, a turnout in, in my career. Uh, that was also one of the most exciting time because uh, when we could um, identify uh, the, the structural base for um, how Pseudomonas aeruginosa bind to human tissue, uh, this was very exciting. These uh, bacteria, they are harmful for uh, immunodepressed patients, kids with cystic fibrosis. And so because we discover uh, which sugar they bind and also uh, the, the atomic structure and we work with chemists to do anti-infectious compound. And I worked also with the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation to be involved in, in the project call and to uh, discuss with uh, a family of patients and all together finding how lectins can attach to human tissue. Um, that was very uh, opening different way of thinking, and it was particularly interesting, yeah. That's a very important project. Where is this research now on the, on the stage of development? Yeah, we still work uh, on it because we are looking also at lectins from other opportunistic pathogens, bacteria or, or fungi. And as for the, the Pseudomonas one, we are still collaborating with the carbohydrate chemists around the world because we help them characterizing uh, the, the uh, anti-infectious compounds they are developing and, and we are doing the assay. Uh, we have been associated with uh, several patents for anti-infectious uh, glycomimetics. We tried to convince some big company to, to continue on this subject, but it's difficult. I suppose I, we should have started our own company at some time because uh, at the moment it's difficult. It's uh, interesting that you mentioned that you maybe you should have started your company or a company around this research. If I'm not mistaken, you have worked all throughout your career in, in academic institutions. Was this always the plan or it just happened by chance or have you never, I don't know, wanted to work in the private sector? Well, I think when I was a, a young researcher uh, in France, it was really separated uh, private and, and academia career. You were, we were not encouraged to go to private company and it was even considered not as noble as academia. Uh, what I see since the last uh, 10 years, it, it really changed. And uh, now uh, I think that um, 
in many uh, companies, especially in the small companies, there is a dynamism, really a strong activity, which is very interesting. And uh, yeah, maybe it would have been different uh, with the atmosphere now. Maybe I would have gone to a private company at least, uh, at least for a part of my career, but well, it did not happen, yeah. On the other hand, you did some very, very important moves to make glycoscience bigger and, and more popular. So you participated in the creation of Glycoops, which is, we think, maybe the, the, the biggest glycoscience community, I mean, local community currently in, in Europe. Uh, could you tell us more about Glycoops and, and what is this? Well, this was an effort to um, bring together again uh, interdisciplinarity. Uh, we realized that in Grenoble, we had colleagues working on uh, pulp and paper, on biomaterial, and other working on pharmaceutical and, and uh, or, or biology of, of uh, bacteria or human biology. And that everyone was working on a carbohydrate in a way or the other in this community. So bringing people together from material science, uh, chemistry and biology was very interesting and it worked very well. And uh, we, we real, really had some exchange. And now we are also expanding to um, economy science. So looking at the economy of carbohydrate and we had some project on this and we learn a lot. And we continue also towards architecture and housing how to use biopolymer in, uh, for example, in painting uh, for walls or in uh, making novel of, uh, uh, architecture. So uh, it's um, funded by the university in Grenoble. Uh, we have a lot of animation, we have summer school, the students are together. So it's, it's a very uh, interesting project, yeah. And uh, when you're not in the lab, do, do you mention to get a... I don't know, enough time out of the lab to devote to your hobbies? Yes, well, yes, mostly uh, now it's it's better that I'm a senior researcher. So I would say uh, for women, when uh, you have a, a family with kids, uh, you have kids on the lab and it's difficult to have hobbies outside. But uh, when, when kids uh, are grown up, then you can develop some other uh, hobbies. So I still, uh, I still enjoy uh, family life and, and grandchildren. And uh, I love uh, to read uh, mystery books and stuff like that. But I say I spend a lot of energy in um, hiking in the mountain or organizing uh, a trek for the summer and uh, planning it and all this uh, stuff that are, let's, let's take a little bit of time, but are really, uh, uh, let's say, rewarding at the end. You can really uh, organize uh, very nice hiking and enjoy it after, yeah. Do you just go for the local mountains or, or you also travel abroad, I don't know, to hike new peaks uh, in, in, in certain places? Oh yes, we go to everywhere in the Alps, Italy uh, as nice places. And this year we plan to go to the Pyrenees on the Spanish uh, Spanish side of Pyrenees. And in all cases, we enjoy uh, going to refuge and have nice uh, cuisine. So it's Italy is very good. I'm sure that in Spain we will also have nice hospitality uh, in Spain. Do you have a favorite spot for hiking? In, in the world globally that, that you, I don't know, have a, a very special connection to? 
while still my uh, my mother is still living in uh, this uh, small town near uh, Italy in the Alps and uh, I'm sure that it is a most wonderful place for hiking uh, in, in, in the mountains. So this is uh, Briançon, it's uh, near um, Col of uh, Mont Genevre in, uh, in, at the Italian border and yeah, this uh, French-Italian Alps, so really a uh, nice spot. I've never been there, but I should check it out one day. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't mind, let's let's talk a bit about about the, your current research and lactins. Can you tell me uh, some exciting discoveries or research fields that you are currently particularly excited about, and you think that they are forming the the future of glycoscience? Not necessarily your research in, in in general. What is your What do you think? What are the main areas that that we should keep a close eye on? Well, at, at the present time, we are trying to get a, a broader view of lectin, and this is a collaboration with Frederick Lizasek in, in Geneva. So uh, we are developing a um, database and a, a mining tool to investigate uh, genome to find the new lectin and to analyze all the possible uh, arrangement um, that lectins, uh, when they are associated with other protein or enzyme. This is a, a world to be uh, explored, and it's much in, in connection with uh, all the work that is done now on, on microbiome. I'm sure that in microbiome, there are so much new carbohydrate, uh, polysaccharide, and lectins, uh, and new enzyme also to be discovered, that it's really uh, exciting. And it's important also, we know, uh, for uh, human health. I completely agree with that. In in one of your presentations, you you grouped the potential applications of of lectins into three main categories. One was their uses in in the field of diagnostics and biomarkers. You mentioned potential uses as uh, targeters or vectors for different therapeutics, and you also discussed their potential use as therapeutic agents. Which, which of these fields do you think has the, the, the biggest potential to grow out of the academia into human applications? Well, the biosensor uh, direction is already well developed, and there are many companies starting to uh, lectin array or other uh, sensor based on lectins. This can be developed if we can control uh, the production of lectin better. So we need to have lectins that have uh, specificity well controlled. And while we can discuss, I think this is one of the most uh, challenging domain at the moment, how to design carbohydrate binding site with a particular specificity. At the moment, we can we are doing a lot of engineering because we want to use lectin as tools, so we can engineer, engineer the architecture of lectin. We can bind several uh, lectin together. We can attach them to other domain. But if we want to change the specificity from uh, galactose to N-acetylgalactosamine, then it is very tricky uh, because um, nothing looks like a sugar more than another sugar. They are quite <laughs> similar in, in, in stereochemistry in shape and, and this is difficult to control. So maybe um, I would say uh, with the deep learning approach, artificial intelligence, if we can take together 
all what we know about the structure and specificity, maybe we can manage this in, in the next year. I'm sure there will be some progress on this aspect. So this is for the biosensor. There are some progress to be made, but biosensor exists. As for therapeutics, it, it's coming slowly, mostly maybe on, on cellular therapy. If you can target lectin and do this uh, car cell therapy or uh, directing antibody or other, there will be some development, but at the moment you cannot really inject lectin into someone, uh, someone uh, blood. Uh, there are uh, carbohydrate binding molecules that create problems with uh, blood group cell and, and other. So it's mostly for cellular therapy uh, that they can be uh, useful outside of cell. Most of the applications, as far as I understand, are related to cancer. Could you explain the the listeners, why, why is that? Why is cancer in this special position for lectins? Yes, well, in, in cancer, there is an alteration of glycosylation on cancer cell. Uh, this is uh, very well uh, established now. What did not happen maybe as, except, as expected, it's not one glycan that is a cancer signature. So it depends on the cancer. It depends on, on the uh, type of cell. And uh, it's very related to um, personalized medicine. We have really to analyze what's going on. But uh, in, in some cancers, there is a clear change of glycosylation that can be marked by, by uh, a lectin. And um, it, it can be very useful in this case to have a direct label. For example, when, when a surgeon take out a solid tumor uh, from the body of someone, if he can quickly uh, have a marker that indicate to him tumor is completely removed, so to see the margin of tumor, for example, directly without waiting for a few days is very useful. So having very efficient label for tumor uh, is a progress, yes, and there could be some development in this area. Of course, there is also the, the question of uh, tumor marker in circulating in plasma. This is what uh, everyone is looking for, and there are some glycan that are used now for uh, prostate cancer, and they are very uh, useful, and there could be some more development in this area also for sure. Okay, so, so the altered glycosylation is a straightforward driver towards cancer research. Are there therapeutic uses or research areas where such kind of unique glycosylation happens? There could be other target areas for glycoscience apart from cancer. Apart from cancer, for, well, there are some related to inflammation where you also have a change of glycosylation, but I would say that uh, mostly the other domain is uh, infection, for sure, that uh, either for viral infection or uh, bacterial infection, and now for fungal infections that are becoming more of a problem, there is protein-carbohydrate in interaction. Generally, there is lectin-carbohydrate interaction. Is there lectin from the pathogen binding to our sugar or our lectin binding to sugar on the pathogen? So in all cases, if you can either stimulate it or block it, it will be a progress. And then it's also related to um, immunology. And there are more and more knowledge of glycoimmunology, how the lectin interacting, our lectin interacting with sugar on the pathogen stimulate the immunology cascade and in some case overstimulate it. So in all these areas, there is uh, many things to discover. So I would say infection and immunology are the two uh, other uh, axes for glycoscience on top of cancer. Yeah. And you're very active both in, in research activities and, and education. 
is it, I don't know, 50-50 in your time or it's shifted the balance towards one of them? Well, I'm not that active in education because uh, in France, uh, when you are in academia, you, you enter either as a university fellow, so associate professor on the career, or as a government uh, researcher in CNRS, which I am, and then you are not too much devoted to teaching. So you can apply to do some teaching, and I did some at some part of my career, but I spent uh, quite a lot of time uh, in, um, let's say, uh, management of research. So either uh, I was um, head of uh, the institute in Grenoble for uh, six years, and um, also work, I was also working at CNRS uh, uh, in Paris as uh, in charge of interdisciplinarity for the chemistry department. So um, yeah, I, I was more involved in management at sometimes at really education. One last question and at the time asking all the guests. So if you could have a dinner with any historical figure or celebrity or dead or alive, who would it be and, and why? To have dinner with yet someone who have many story to tell. So I think I like the great uh, explorer, the one who discovered a uh, uh, new country or, or, or the pole. So uh, maybe uh, Amundsen who discovered the South Pole, because uh, if oh. you can imagine how it would be to be for months uh, with a team and discover a new country and new landscape every day. So yeah, I think I would love to, to have dinner with Amundsen and ask him to tell me um, how was it there, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a very nice answer. And you could probably tell him about your hiking stories and hiking experiences. Oh, yeah, uh, nothing you, to you... compare, no? <laughs> <laughs> so I hope you enjoyed the next episode of Carbohydrate Chronicles today, delivered to you by Carbohydrate. We talked with Annie Berti, senior researcher at CNRS Grenoble, expert in lectins, and uh, or we could say that expert in glycoscience in, in general. Capturing Anne's views, uh, we cannot be bored with carbohydrates. Every new day brings a, a new challenge. They are so complex with so many interactions, so many skills to study, and so many applications that, that we can find a new fascination every day. And this research is certainly interdisciplinary, which leads to a lot of collaboration and friendship. And I really like your quote or, or, or saying that nothing looks uh, more like a sugar than another sugar. <laughs> and we see and, and we know that how, how similar uh, they, they can be. So creating something that specific is, is indeed very, uh, a very big challenge. So thank you for being with us today. And uh, this was a, a fascinating discussion. And uh, maybe we can continue uphill during, during hiking in the French Alps one, one day that, that I would love, certainly. Thank you, Demet. That was a pleasure. Thank you all for listening to this interview. Next week in our upcoming episode of Carbohydrate Chronicles, we'll talk with Francesco Trotta, professor at University of Torino and vice president of the European Psychodextrin Society, whom you may also know as the inventor of nanosponges. And what are nanosponges? Well, that you can learn next week. Your host was Tomas Shahida from Carbohyde. I hope you will join me in our next episode too. See you in one week. Goodbye.